and welcome to Africa Stories in the 55. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. Today, we'll be hearing about books in the future. I'm talking about African speculative fiction, which encompasses science fiction, fantasy, and horror. But first off, we'll be blasting to the nearer future with J.J. Bola, a writer whose new book, No Place to Call Home, comes out in June. He tells us what his book is all about. The novel looks at a family's experience, um, a family that comes from Kinshasa, Congo, and moves to the UK to seek asylum as refugees. But really, it's about migration, it's about how communities form themselves and how also kind of like family self-discovery so it looks at it from the perspective of the parents they've got a son and a daughter and trying to protect them from the political reality of them being refugees and what it means to move to a new place and have to integrate and so forth and also from the perspective of the children who are trying to find out more about themselves and their reality and so forth and just how difficult it can be in in terms of like moving into a new place. The name of the novel is No Place to Call Home, which is an interesting title because, I mean, if it was no place to have a house, I would understand. But there's so much love in this book, whether it's in the family home or a tiny space in Kinshasa with once white walls or in an apartment in exile, your houses are described with love. Yeah, and I think wherever we live as human beings or whatever space we occupy, no matter how big or small, once we become familiar with that space, it really does feel in a way that we grow to love it. That's what I try to uh, at least achieve with how the characters see their spaces, the spaces in which they live. So whether it's back in Kinshasa or in London or in Papa's tiny student accommodation in Brussels. Like, you can you really see that the spaces in which where we feel comfortable are spaces that we love, regardless of the size or the resources of it. The book is really about Jean, with some interesting side stories in between. <laughs> but, yeah. but how he tries to maneuver through his school in London to live his life with a lot of additional issues hanging over his head. Also, how similar he is to his father. You get an insight into Papa in the book for Jean is quite a coming of age uh, experience and you know at that age you're just trying to fit in into a particular group you're trying to belong and so in doing that you almost have to give up part of your identity and part of your history and experiences as well and for a young boy such as Jean who's coming onto his teenage years he has to almost give up a lot of the experiences that his family has been through But that causes a conflict within him because sooner or later the question arises whether or not he does actually fit into this place, you know, whether or not he does actually belong. And for a young child going through that, it's a really difficult transition to make. So that's one of the kind of one of the key issues I really wanted to speak about. And then also for someone like him, he's just trying to emulate his father. He's trying to live up to his father's expectations, his parents' expectations and so forth. And again, all of that just adds kind of like extra pressure and extra weight onto his shoulders. And for such a young boy to be able to deal with that, it can be a really challenging experience. You pick an interesting time frame as well. It's the later Mobutu years. Did you select this because it has affected you? Or did you speak to others who have been directly affected by this time period? Because it's a pretty volatile time in the history of the Democratic Republic of Congo. I really wanted to select that period because... It's the start of the decline. So in the early 70s, early to mid 70s, you 
although it was still a dictatorship, Congo was relatively prosperous. You know? And this was whilst, say, for instance, Papa, he was studying in Belgium. Economically, Congo was thriving. There were students who were becoming professionals abroad and so forth. And I wanted to give people a little bit of insight into that part of history and as well into the decline, just so that people could see what was being lost and the effects of that dictatorship. To be honest, it was only halfway through the book when one of your characters says, we're refugees, and you weave their reality into how many other families are struggling to get by in London or could be any other urban setting. While there is an additional issue of asylum, Jean's family does what it can to create this sort of normal, as normal a life as possible, which you see on every page in, in your novel. That's just the reality of it, you know, when people are not just in a circumstance where, where they are refugees, whatever traumatic circumstance they they are going through, they don't limit their reality, their identity to just that label. Jean's family, Papa's family, they don't see themselves as refugees in their day-to-day existence. They don't look at each other as refugees. They look at each other as human beings. They see each other's humanity and they're trying to make the most and the best out of their experience. And I wanted the readers to also be able to see them in that way as well, and also to be able to identify in a way that it could just as easily be you as it could be anyone else. It's just a matter of circumstance. So it's really about empathy and seeing humanity in the characters the same way that the characters see the humanity in each other. Up next, we go further into the future to find out about the NAMO Awards, a new African speculative fiction prize. Speculative fiction is narrative fiction with supernatural or futuristic elements, including science fiction, fantasy, horror, and the supernatural. The NAMO is part of the Malian Dogon creation story. It's about two twins who came from space, taking the appearance of a fish walking on their tail. We wanted to hear more about how this prize came about, so we spoke to Mom Boguma Diene, who is a spokesperson for the African Speculative Fiction Society. The, the way it started off was a Facebook group. We started fleshing out what it is we wanted to do, what kind of society we wanted to put together, so we figured that we'd make an award out of it. So it just came together, the African Speculative Fiction Society. There was a lot of interest on, on the part of the writers. There was a lot of interest in people to support us financially and help us make this happen. People are saying, well, why African speculative fiction? I mean, why is this such a big deal? And when you talk mm. to science fiction and fantasy writers, they say we are the origins of science fiction. I mean, how do you see this? <laughs> It was always a Western-dominated genre. And what you have now is an explosion of different authors all over the world because the technology has changed. People have always been writing on, in Africa and Asia uh, elsewhere, but there were very few outlets for people to get published and for books to come out. There's definitely an interest because there has been a complete lack of visibility. In terms of African cosmology, generally speaking, there is always an aspect to African cultures that is speculative and mystical. If you talk to my father, he will tell you that I shouldn't go out after 6.30 on the beach because there's a spirit that roams the beach. And if it meets me, it'll kill me. So there's always this element like magic and fantasy kind of become dissociated from reality in the West. And that's probably why you have so many people writing to try to like, reappropriate their own cultures and their own, and their own myths. Magic is, is a part of the way people see life. It's part of the way people view the world, generally speaking. 
And what's interesting really is that it's important for Africans to be able to project the future that we're interested in, to project the problems that we see on a day-to-day basis and, and, and try to address through our writing. And it's really important for us to own our own identity and contribute to the genre because we have a lot of things to say. I have spoken to comic book writers in Ghana, for instance. They told me, well, look, we wanted to have superheroes that reflected us. I mean, you see Superman, we love Superman, but we don't have a subway system in Accra. So we wanted to make this speculative fiction, science fiction, fantasy tailored to us. One of the authors uh, that are part of the, uh, the society They said something really basic. They said, well, you know, if you want to write a speculative story set in Nigeria, just the fact that you would have electricity all the time without power cuts is already science fiction. So there's definitely a different reality in terms of development. And you're looking at, well, what's coming out next year? The the Black Panther, Marvel's Black Panther is uh, undeniably one of the best heroes in the Marvel canon. They try to do the best job they can in terms of creating an African superhero. But at the end of the day, it's not an African superhero. It's an American superhero set in Africa. So, you know, there's a lot of attributes that are excellent. There are a lot of things, there are a lot of flaws as well, because it's not owned by the continent. So, yes, absolutely. It's very important for people to be able to make something that that we can relate to as a continent, country by country. Every reality is different. Anything you'd like to add for our listeners? What I would really say is just give a shout out to the African Fantasy Reading Group if people want to know more about what's happening. If you want to be part of the African Speculative Fiction Society, on the other hand, you have to be African, either born on the continent or uh, have a citizenship, have a parent who is African. But uh, if there are authors out there who are interested, they should join the society, if at all possible. That's all the time we have today for Africa Stories in the 55. If you'd like to hear J.J. Bola read an excerpt of his book, No Place to Call Home, please go to www.english.rfi.fr. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. Thanks for listening and keep reading.